Praise the Lord, everyone. Lord, I pray that you would show up in this house a little more as we dig into your word today. I thank you for inspiring us with the songs that we've sung. And I, pray, I thank you for preparing our hearts for the word that you will speak today. For the word that we will we'll dig into, Lord, I pray that it would do a work in us and that we would leave different than we came. I worship you and I pray that your way would be done today. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but some of those songs were just hitting me today. And, and they're right in my notes too today. So that's awesome how he works. So he's in this place and you can leave different. And like what we, what we were singing about, you can leave free. You can leave with no more chains on you, no more things holding you back, holding you down. Because he's the deliverer. We're on a path to destruction and he can, he can pull us out of that and bring us to life. So he, he is here and he's moving. He is the one you need. He's the one you've been looking for your whole life. You may have been searching a long time. And you're, you're on that path and you see it ends up until death. The path you're on, it's not going to end well. But there's hope. Because we can turn around. And he can lead us on the path that he meant for us. And it's going to lead us to a path where we'll find that fulfillment that we were looking for the whole time. And it's all in the name of Jesus that we were speaking about. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. While you're standing, let's open up to the book of Luke, chapter 13 and verse 3. The Gospel of Luke 13, 3. And I'll be reading in the, uh, the Amplified Bible today. And we're going to be doing a lot of reading in the Word, but it's going to be good. I'll do my best to make it come alive for us. I mean, he's the one who really makes it come alive if we're ready for it. So Luke 13, 3 says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, which is changing your old way of thinking, turning from your sinful ways and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. I tell you no, but unless you repent, which is changing your old way of thinking, turning from your sinful ways and live changed lives, you will all likewise perish. You can have a seat this morning. Here's a question to think about. Does sin have the power to keep you out of heaven? Does sin itself have the power to keep you out of heaven? Think about that. Can it keep you out of heaven? Well, no, because Jesus' death on the cross has power to overcome that sin. The thing that's going to keep us out of heaven is an unrepented heart. That's unwillingness to turn from sin. So sin itself... We've all fallen into it. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it will be our demise. And it will keep us out of heaven if we let it. 
That's the key. It's an unrepentant heart that will keep us out of heaven. So repentance is powerful. It allows us to break that cycle of sin, and it's the key to accessing God's gift of salvation. So we're going we're gonna to look at some, uh, the su- subject of repentance this morning. Uh, and in preparation for speaking today, I, I was praying about it, and I was like, Lord, I know I'm, I'm, I'm in the direction of praying or speaking about repentance. Is there anything particular you have for me? And I just felt him impress me, say, dig into my word. And I've been doing uh, my regular reading, so I just opened up to where I regularly read, and I was in the book of Jonah. And that book is all about repentance. So we're going to do some digging in the Word. So let's open to the book of Jonah. So starting in Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1, and we are going to go through the whole book of Jonah. I won't read every verse, but we're going to read a few of them and dig into them and look at what this repentance is all about because it's powerful and it's going to put us on the right path. Jonah 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim judgment against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as a prophet. If I would sum this verse, or this three verses up, it would be, God said, Go. Jonah said, No. How many times has God said, go, and we just said, nope, I'm going this way. The other thing that I pulled out of this right here is wickedness demands judgment. If wickedness stays, judgment is coming. It was pending judgment on Nineveh that God said, their wickedness is crying out before me. I need to bring judgment because I'm a just God, but I'm going to send my man ahead of me to see if they're going to change. And he he said, Jonah, go. Jonah's like, Nineveh? No. Nope, I can't do it, God. Well, let's see what happened in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his God to lighten the ship and diminish the danger They threw the ship's cargo into the sea. But Jonah had gone down below into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was sound asleep. So the captain came up to him and said, How can you stay asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we will not perish. So God was unwilling to watch passively as Jonah walked away from his mission. That's what Jonah did. He walked away from the mission God gave him, but God was unwilling to just watch and, and let everything happen. He, he said, okay, I'm going to give you a little storm because you'll be grateful for it in the end because there will be many lives that will be affected. If God calls you to something, it's not just about you. It will affect others. Also, If it looks like there's a storm on the horizon, perhaps God is just wanting you to recognize you still have a mission for his kingdom. So keep an eye out for the storms in your life. 
He's, he has a purpose for you, and he wants you to go do something for him, and it's going to matter. I had the question reading on this, how could Jonah sleep? He was in the bottom of the boat, sleeping during this storm. I personally think he was determined to ignore the warning signs. He chose to be unconscious of all of God's use of nature to convince him. So this is a place many of us are at right now. As many nations and churches have ignored God's call and command, and it's time to wake up and to come clean before God. We've, we've put it out of our minds. We've gone down in the bottom of the ship and just slept and ignored all the things that God was saying, come on, I, I have something that I told you to do. And it's time to wake up and remember it. Let's go to verse 7. And they said to another, Come, let us cast lots, so we may learn who is to blame for this disaster. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Now tell us, who's to blame, who's to blame for this disaster? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I reverently fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew he was running from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So what's happening here? When the heathen knew Jonah's identity, so he told them who he was. Oh, you are a Hebrew of the real God, the living God. When they knew his identity and saw God's response to Jonas's stubbornness, his disobedience, what did they do? They saw his identity and his response, and they feared the Lord. That's something we need now more than ever. When we're in the bottom of the boat and God's already sent the storm, we're on our way to destruction and we need a reverent fear of the Lord. It's about time to recognize that we've disobeyed the Lord and to remember our identity in him. This world will fear God. And when that happens, salvation can come. Salvation can come. Let's go down to verse 15. So this is after Jonah told them his identity. And they, they realized he was disobedient. And the fear of the Lord came on the men. Verse 15, so they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. These are people that didn't know the living God. So when, when, God can, when we can let God deal with us, we're his people, and he's called us, and we can say, okay, God, I'm... I know I'm in the wrong. I've ignored some things that I know that you've wanted me to do. And we remember our identity. Then, and we start going in the right direction. We start to show other, to tell others, yes, I, I do have a purpose of God, and I'm going to go in the right way. They can see that, and it will affect them. These people turn to the Lord because of this situation. It was because of the turmoil and the, the storm that was brought. And it gave room for God's 
uh, for the fear of the Lord to come and for God's glory to come. So the people made vows and feared the Lord. So people are watching. Um, you, might, you might be in church. You might doing, we might be doing our thing. But the outside world is watching. And when we say, okay, I'm serious, God, they're going to see it. And it's going to cause people to come to the Lord. Let's go to verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared, he appointed, he destined a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah 2.1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. How long would it take you in the stomach of the fish to start praying? <laughs> it took Jonah three days in the stomach of a fish, three nights and three days. He's sitting there mulling over the decisions he made, the path he was on, and then he realized, this is who I am, and God said, go. I said, no. They threw me into the sea. This fish swallowed me. I'd be dead already if this fish wasn't prepared, so I know God's in it. Because I know God enough, well enough, that he's, it wasn't by chance that this fish, you know, that I'm in here, breathing some oxygen enough to stay alive. And, and if you read most of chapter 2, which we're not going to do today, it talks about his prayer, what Jonah prayed. And he, he turned to God. He recognized who God was and who he was. And he said, okay, Lord, I repent. And I'm ready to get out of this fish. And I surrender to you. At the end of that chapter, verse 10 says, So the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. He was delivered. He was delivered out of the fish after he prayed, after he repented and prayed. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Go to Nineveh, the great city, and declare to it the message which I am going to tell you. Oh, I like this verse. So Jonah went to Nineveh in accordance with the word of the Lord. He learned his lesson, like we all need to do. God said, go. This time he said, okay, I will. It's never too late to get back to God. None of us have been in the, thrown into the sea, about, about to drown, be swallowed by a fish, prayed to God, got spat up, and then God said, okay, I'm going to say the same thing again here. And then we go. We haven't gotten to that point. But we've experienced times when we've gone the wrong direction and we've seen some storms. So it's never too late to get back to God. You might think you've blown it, but God is merciful and he's gracious. He still wants to use you. So rise up and repent. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 4 says, then on the first day's walk, Jonah began to go throughout, through the city, and he called out and said, 40 days more remain, and then Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the word the Lord gave to Jonah. Verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed and trusted in God, and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth in penitent mourning from the greatest even to the least of them. Verse 7, he issued a proclamation, this is the king, 
And it said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, no man, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink water. Both, but both man and animal must be covered with sackcloth. And everyone is to call on God earnestly and forcefully that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn in compassion and relent and withdraw his burning anger, judgment, so that he will, we will not perish. In verse 10, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God had compassion and relented concerning the disaster which he had declared that he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Wow. So Jonah brought the message. What did people, how did they react? They repented. They changed their route, which allowed God to change his route. So there were three stages of the people's repentance when this happened. First, the Ninevites heard the word of God and they pondered it. Nothing really good and eternal can happen without God's word being involved. So we need to hear the word of God and ponder it. Let it think about it. Let it be on your mind. So the first part of repentance is an exposure to God's truth and a change of mind. The second stage of their repentance, the king declared to all men to humble themselves, putting down their flesh, and come to God. So they, they humbled themselves and came to the Lord. So the second part of repentance is speaking what will change in your life. If you start speaking, this is going to be my new life, and I'm not going back to this anymore, speak it long enough, and it's going to happen. That is the, the pattern that God put in his word. It's something that's hard to understand in the physical, but it's, it's very demonstrated in the word of God. From the beginning, from Genesis, what was spoken by God happened, and he gives us power. If we want to say, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to be, if I want to sing a country song where I lose my truck and my dog and my wife, well, I'll probably end up there. <laughs> Start, play it backwards. <laughs> Start to speak the, declare the things of the Lord. Speak the word of God, the promises of God into your life. Keep your mind on them and see them come to pass because he will watch what you're speaking and he can back that up. He's the one who wrote it. He can back up his word. So that's the second stage of the people's repentance. They started speaking what will change in their life. In that second stage, I really like how the king, there's a big thing to be said about leadership. Because he humbled, he affected so many people. So anyone who has influence, when they repent, it's going to affect a lot of people. So, and then the third, final stage of the people's repentance the people fasted, prayed, and turned from their evil. So this is the third and final part of repentance, and it's action. It's where the old lifestyle dies and the new godly lifestyle is lived. It's where those things that we used to do, we, re we realize what we were doing, and God has put enough light in our life to show us this is the path of life. I'm turning from the path of destruction that I was on, and I'm going on the path of life. So those are the three, the three stages of repentance. It begins with the word of God getting in our minds. 
It requires us to start confessing his truth and that we're li- our life is going to change, and then it's going to be followed up by an action in our life. We must, we must repent because when we do, it'll end up like it did in Nineveh where the judgment of God is turned. The judgment of God is turned. The end of that, um, the book of Jonah, the end of that chapter we were in, it uh, starts in verse 10. And it says, Then the Lord said to Jonah, after a few verses that we, that, we, uh, that we skipped, you can read them later. But then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, in which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should not I have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 innocent persons who don't know the difference between the right, between their right hand and their left hand, and are not yet accountable for sin, as well as many blameless animals? So the book of Jonah ends with a question. Shouldn't God care about the lost who don't even know what they're doing? So if we take on God's heart, we will care about the lost. We will have compassion and mercy on those who've never learned the ways of God. We will lead them with love to repentance. For those new to the faith, turning away from your current sinful lifestyle, that's repentance, and it's the only way God can, and he will, Turn away the pending judgment for sin. That's the key. It's the key. Repentance is the key. And God gives us that freely, but he leaves it up to us to decide. And, and for the saints, be compassionate. We need to give people room to repent. We're not the judge. There is only one. So don't run from the mission. That's also another key for us uh, that have walked this route of repentance already and we're on the right direction. Don't run from the mission God's called you to. Don't be like Jonah and say no when God says go. Don't fall asleep in the bottom of the ship. Don't ignore his warning signs. Instead, repent and do the work God has called you to do. He's given you specific giftings, and he's put people in your life that you can affect, and it's for a purpose, and it's because God desires it. This book of Jonah's all about repentance. Now you know, if you haven't read it before. Um, And did you know Jesus even preached about Jonah when he was walking on the earth? In Matthew 12, 40, Jesus spoke, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, or the great fish, the whale, so the Son of Man shall be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What was he talking about? So this is a picture of the gospel and our response to the gospel. So he's speaking about Jonah. Jonah went from Tarshish to being thrown into the sea, enveloped by water, and resurrected to divine mission and purpose. And that was a typology of what Jesus did for us. And that's the gospel, the good news. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like the picture of Jonah. And it's also the picture of the new birth, which is our response to the the gospel. And that is, Jesus died, we are to repent. Jesus was buried, we are to 
be put under water in baptism. And Jesus resurrected to new, to new life, and we are to do so in the Holy Spirit. Yes, thank you, God, for your word and the keys to the kingdom so that we don't have to end in death, but that we can have eternal life with our creator. Hmm. I think all of us can relate to Jonah. But if you can't relate to Jonah, maybe you can relate to Daniel. So Daniel is a rare case in the Bible because the word doesn't reveal any character flaws in him. The word says, you know, he said, the word says, okay, David, he committed adultery. Uh, Moses was a murderer. You know, there's all these character flaws that are revealed in the Bible about um, different people. Uh, Daniel, the Bible doesn't reveal any. Um, we know that the only perfect man was Jesus. But there's a reason that Daniel isn't shown any flawed for our sake. Yet, we find him repenting from sin. Let's read Daniel 9, 3 through 5. This is Daniel speaking. So I directed my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and extends loving kindness towards those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed wrong and have behaved wickedly and have rebelled, turning away from your commandments and ordinances. Daniel recognized great evil comes because of iniquity. And God keeps his promises to those, and he is kind to those who love him and obey his law. So why was Daniel repenting when we, we didn't see any sin that he may have had? Well, Daniel was wise enough to know that he had a connection with God, and God could see the wickedness, and judgment was coming. So Daniel spoke up and repented for the sake of the people and joined with them, just like God, Jesus was the great, the great mediator, the great intercessor for our case. Daniel did so, which is an example for us. We can pray, and our prayers of repentance can break cycles of sin in our family, our prayers of repentance can break cycles of sin in our nation and in our world that has been spiraling out of control. If we start in repentance, others can follow. And then God can say, okay, you guys turned, I can turn. Yes, just like with Jonah. Uh, Eli Hernandez said that repenting when you personally have not done anything wrong unlocks something in the spirit. So when the fear of the Lord returns to the people on this earth, sin can't operate like it used to. We need to start getting rid of the garbage because God won't send an end-time harvest to a carnal church. The church has to be ready for this harvest, for God to use it to bring everything in that he wants to. And don't you want to be a part of that? I certainly want to be a part of that. So we talked about the fear of the Lord that needs to come. What's one thing worth fearing these days? We ought to fear offending God. The church must get right first, repenting for the sins of our family, neighbors, and city. And if, 
if we want an example of things to repent from, the Bible gives us plenty of examples, and I'll pull one out in Galatians 5, and we'll read 19 through 24. It's the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. So the works of the flesh, we need to repent from those. And as soon as we turn around and stop doing the works of the flesh, we need to do, start doing the works of the Spirit. So here's Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is the result of his presence within us, is love, which is unselfish, concern for others, it's joy, it's inner peace, it's patience, which is not the ability to wait, but how we can act while waiting. And it's kindness, and it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. God's calling us. There's some things we've been doing that aren't sitting right. And we've all done them. And we've all been in this place where we realize, I shouldn't have done that. And that's when we can go to his word, get it in our mind, say, I'm not going to do that anymore. This is what I'm going to do instead. And start acting that way. And then God's going to start putting things in front of us. And we're going to start seeing him move when we're walking in the spirit. And he's going to do things we could never imagine. He could do things we never imagined. Like the songs we were singing, we'll know our identity. We'll finally know who we are. We won't be confused anymore. Walk in this world. We were just in the mall the other day, and people are confused as to who they are, what they're doing, why they're here. That, it won't be that way anymore when we know who we are in Christ. Then we'll have a purpose, a mission, and we'll know what we're doing. We'll know why we were created, and we'll have that fulfillment inside. I have one more verse I want to read, and it's 2 Timothy 2, 25 through 26. It says, He must correct those who are in opposition with courtesy and gentleness in the hope that God may grant that they will repent and be led to the knowledge of the truth, which is accurately understanding and welcoming it, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Many of us have been held captive. The enemy has done everything he can to keep us from the revelation of how powerful repentance is. And, if, and God says he will grant that they will repent. It's a gift. Repentance is a gift. Because we're on the wrong direction. And God says, here you go, an option to repent. And we can pass by it if we want to stick to our own ways. Or we can say, 
you're right, I'm trusting in you, and we're going to go to where repentance leaves, which is eternal life. If you keep on that path, he's going to guide you from repentance to baptism to the Holy Spirit to holiness to endurance, and he's going to be doing everything in your life that needs to be done that he can't quite trust you to do yet. He'll take care of everything that you can't quite take care of. So we find the keys for breaking out of the enemy's trap we're in. God offers correction. We are granted the opportunity to repent. Repentance leads to truth. And the truth will set you free. Are you ready for Satan and this world to lose its grip on you? It's time to repent and see how God steps in. So I know this message has hit me. And it's made me start to repent for not only me and what I've done, but for my family, my, um, my housing complex, my work, my city. And when, when, you know, when that repentance, that seed is planted, good things will happen. So if this word of God has touched your heart, I ask that you would come and repent. And I'm going to invite pastor to come and prayer, pray a prayer of repentance with us. Let's stand together. Rob and I are going to pray together right now. We're going to ask you to join with us. If you're online joining us, would you just get in a position of prayer right now? And would you bow your heads with us, heavenly and almighty God? I come before you humbled and sorrowful, aware of my sin. Some of what I've heard from this word today has pointed to things that I've been doing and things that I need to change. I recognize you're speaking to me through your word, Jesus, today. And I'm ready to repent. I want to turn away from sin. I want to turn away from those things. Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned before you. Wash away my sins, I pray. Purify me and help me to turn from this sin. I pray you give me strength to walk away from anything in my life that's displeasing to you. Wash me with the blood and I will be forgiven, I pray. Let the blood of Jesus Christ be over everyone under the sound of this prayer and in this room and online. That the blood of Jesus is our hope of forgiveness. We have confessed our sins, Lord God. As we do so, please wash us in the blood of Jesus where we are made clean, Lord God. That it's the answer of a good conscience toward God to walk into baptism from repentance and be washed, Lord God. Lead me to walk in your ways instead of leaving behind things that displease you and just saying they're not there. I really don't have to address them, but help me, oh Lord, to leave behind my old life starting a new life in you, Jesus, as we heard preached today. Lord, you are a loving and just and merciful God. Show compassion upon your people today. Show compassion upon me, O oh Lord. Shower me with your mercy. As David said, purge me with hyssop or purge me with your blood, Lord. All this I pray in the name of the mighty name of Jesus that has authority and power to do this work, who came to save us from these sins. 
thank you, Lord, for a new option, a new hope, a new life in Christ Jesus. And everybody said amen. Kindness amen. leads me to repentance. The altar's open if you want to come and pray. Take some time with the your Lord today. Why don't you step out? If you've never done it before, it's okay. Come down and stand and just lift your hands. If there's something still on your heart that's weighing you down, say, Lord, help me with this. I want to lay it down today. I want to walk away whole and new. I want to walk away completely forgiven. I want to rise up today knowing I left everything at the foot of your cross. Help me today, Jesus, as we pray. Jesus, is my delight. So help.